Hello and welcome to the latest episode of That Weekly Penenka Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Whiting, and today I am going to be joined by Adam Pendlebury from the Progress with Unity podcast. It's a Wigan Athletic podcast. Today's episode is going to be about Wigan Athletic. Obviously, they have just been put into administration, so me and Adam are going to be discussing what's happening there. So sit back, relax, as when we return, we'll be talking about Wigan Athletic. Hello and welcome back. I am now joined by Adam Pendlebury from the Progress with Unity podcast. How are you today, Adam? Uh, well, not too bad, thank you. Um, just just sort of coming round really for the events of the uh, of the last uh, the last few days. Uh, not had much sleep really, uh, but getting there slowly, trying to make some sense of what's uh, what's occurred over the last seven days. It's been definitely a, a hectic. And kind of chaotic time for you Wigan fans. It seems like it's come out of the blue. This was something that I really did not see coming. No, absolutely not. It certainly wasn't anything that we had seen coming because, um, you know, administration is clearly a big thing in any sector um, because clearly it's showing that the, the, the in theory the company is in serious financial trouble. But obviously the football sector, as we well know, there is also the sporting sanction that's applied to that so it's 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 something that you very much hope that you're not going to go into administration and there wasn't any real hint that that was going to occur the usual signs of it's not getting paid or um you know some hmrc debts and things like that nothing no 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 wind of it at all um the performances on the pitch were going well um and yeah, absolutely shocking news. We beat Stoke 3-0 on the Tuesday night. Within about 12 hours, we were all getting the breaking news that Wigan had been put into administration. And the first uh, the first reaction was, is this a joke? It's not April Fool's Day, or is this someone's idea of a joke? Because it just seems so far-fetched. So it had to be. I think everyone's in motion, and we're not just talking about the fans. I think we're talking about people a lot closer to the club. It was just huge shock. You know, it was just a complete surprise to us all, the football community. I mean, you've alluded to it yourself. People looking in think, well, Wigan's not really that type of club that doesn't really spend big, um, has made reasonable money on its sales over the years tends to be seen as a well-run club. So, yeah, absolute shock, really. Um, and, and still now, it's still a shock, even though we are trying to make sense of it. Yeah, it, it really was surprising. As an outsider looking in, um, obviously, you've you've kind of had a build-up for the other clubs that have gone into administration. For example, Bolton, it was very much publicised, same with Berry, whereas this was very much out of the blue and it was kind of like, oh, Morning, we're going to now in, now in administration. With those other clubs, there have been that build-up. And with Wigan, there was none of that. Yeah, I mean, we'd, um, we we for the podcast the other day, we, we, we recorded, uh, we did a panel with a few different experts in local MP. But what was quite interesting was the, um, the Football Supporters Association um, 
representative from Portsmouth and you know they 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 sort of his role is to come in when clubs are actually uh, in, in in trouble and, and liaise with the fans and give them some help because obviously as a someone who's a Portsmouth fan has obviously gone through similar himself and he's he's sort of um, helped other clubs as well and he said there were a number of clubs in the championship who he feared were in danger of tipping over into administration and Wigan wasn't on the radar you know and he, these are people who are watching what's going on uh, because ultimately they, they are there to, to provide that, that support for the fans and obviously the community so I thought that really said it all and the, the statements from the administrators saying that this this is a one of the strangest administrations they'd ever seen in the sense that I think we'll go into more detail in a moment but in essence four weeks of ownership um, put into administration um, they said that the club was being run prudently uh, the club has assets hasn't overspent just the fact that there was the money that was supposed to be in the bag wasn't there yeah it, how prudently you run a club if the money's not there there's not a lot you can do it it was extremely strange the way it, it came about especially like you said you always think of Wigan as being a really well-run club back from the days of Dave Whelan you know who was very much kind of a a figurehead for Wigan as a town not just as a football club um, he was nicknamed Mr. Wigan um, and kind of it through these last couple of years is obviously you've had the takeover um, so Dave was was no longer there but it was always looked upon as a stable and steady club um, so for, for something like this to really happen and so quickly as well and it's a bad time in general for people at the moment so it's obviously had a really big impact on the community in Wigan. Yeah, absolutely. And and you've, you've alluded to Dave Whelan, and obviously the media would be seeking comment the day, you know, obviously on the day from Dave Whelan and also from his grandson, uh, David Sharp, who was the chairman for the last sort of three years of the Whelan era as Dave Whelan stepped down into, into pretty much semi-retirement, really. Um, and both of them were just absolutely shocked because they said they left a club that was in a really good state. It was stable. Obviously, Whelan would talk about the amount of money that he put in, you know, the, the millions and millions that he put in to build a, build a stadium from the bottom of the Football League, pretty much, into the Premier League in, in 10 years. Um, spending relatively big. Uh, in comparison to others at the time, but you know we were spending a million and a half on on a striker. Um, you know, that that would be small small fry money now, wouldn't it? In the uh, in the current era, takes us to the Premier League. Eight years in the Premier League, mm -hmm. you know, against up against much bigger much bigger clubs, uh, and then obviously culminating in the FA Cup winning 2013. And, and since then, you know, it's been a bit up and down, you know, relegations, but we've had some promotions in there as well. You know, we've had a good cup run where we knocked probably the best side in the world out, Man City. So, you know, it's not been all bad since the Premier League debts, but very sad, obviously, when in 28, October 2018, when David Sharp finally signed over the, uh, the, the ownership and that ended 23 years of of uh, wheel and rain within the uh, within the club, um, but 
it had taken a while. It wasn't just, uh, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't sort of an overnight decision. It was due diligence was seemingly done. Uh, and we brought in, we kept the chief executive um, who'd been there for 10 years, uh, Jonathan Jackson. He's a good guy. He's, uh, you know, he, he's, he sees that, you know, he's always looks to the future of Wigan and he's bit, played a big part in getting the academy up and running. So he stayed on as the CEO. And then we appointed Darren and Joe Royal. I mean, Joe Royal, very, obviously very uh, famous, fam- famous in your area for, uh, I guess, managing a rival, a rival yeah. side. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Oh, but, uh, but very, very famous in the uh, you know the football community. And Dar- Darren, quite sort of experienced in the more sort of football business side of things. So on the face of it, it all looks reasonable. You know, the... the, the um, he spent a bit of money as well. You know, we brought in a few players, um, albeit we couldn't we, we couldn't live with the sort of the top eight clubs in the championship. We're still spending reasonable money and not going mad. Um, but then we started to get hint that the sort of IEC, you know, sometimes the problem is with uh, ownership, uh, particularly from the Far East, is sometimes they're looking to get that quick result into the Premier League uh, and all that that brings with it in terms of the money, but also the profile. And I mean, I think I think everybody on the day-to-day side of things, Jackson and, and Royal, were kind of thinking, well, yeah, it's a, maybe a two or three-year project at least. Got a bit twitchy with Brexit and all that's going on with Brexit. Um, not knowing what sort of relationship we're going to have with the uh, with the EU, um, and then obviously COVID as well um, got itchy feet and wanted out. And I guess that's really the sort of point where that rumour started to circulate earlier this year, maybe back end of 2019, that the IEC wanted out, um, and then that culminated in sort of last month the uh, IEC. Moving the club on, and I guess that's where the, the the big story starts. I guess. Yeah. So they they did move the club on. They sold it to next leader LP, um, which obviously isn't a well known name or firm, um, but it very much is to to you guys now. Um, where well, where... it wasn't well, it wasn't well done five weeks ago. But yeah. <laughs> where where did it all go wrong? What what happened from your perspective? Well, I mean, you look into this. I think I think the stuff uh, we did a podcast. Um, obviously, we've been in the lockdown, so we haven't we haven't done many podcasts. We've done the odd one over the over the um, the break. Uh, but we, as we knew that we were restarting, we uh, we came back on the podcast, and obviously the big discussion point was the change of ownership because it had happened within the last few days. And, and to be honest, we. On the face of it, it didn't look too bad in the sense of trying to keep that continuity. So they kept they kept the Royals on, they kept Jonathan Jackson on. Uh, some of the I, IEC people were obviously moved out, uh, but one of the guys, Stanley Stanley Choi, um, who pretty much was heading up the venture with IEC Limited as a director there. Remember, IEC was on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange as well, uh, so. My view of it at the time was that it was taking it out of public ownership into private ownership because he's still there. Um, maybe not wanting all the sort of sort of regulatory uh, 
network of different things that that, that goes with being listed, I guess, um, and, and and making things maybe easier on a day-to-day -day basis. That's that's how it was viewed. So, um, I, I I don't think at the time we were overly concerned, albeit any change of ownership after only sort of eighteen months is a little bit concerning. Um, but yeah, that that was kind of the the, the what happened. So. I think really we'd have to say that with the benefit of hindsight, you might have looked at it and said, well, yeah, this is a bit odd, isn't it, really? Uh, and actually, some fans, I have to say, were a bit more forensic with it at the time. And uh, looking back now, that the, the concerns were that the if you really look deep into the agreement, there is actually the, the, the loan issue, which is the sort of basically fund uh, uh, the venture Mm -hmm. uh, loan had to be taken out uh, by the, the new owners um, uh, and that obviously um, basically that liability passed on to Wigan Athletic uh, and let's just say the terms of that loan were not very favourable the, the, the in interest rate originally was 8% but that would that, that would rise to 20% on the basis of any, any, any default now, I know lots of businesses, lots of football clubs is based on debt. You've know, got a very high-profile example, clearly, in the Premier League of that. Um, and I suppose there's no issue as long as the debt is serviceable. But the understanding is, is that it just the money just didn't arrive. You know, so all of a sudden, you know, there were all these bills, um, payments that needed to be made on this loan. Uh, mm. And the it was actually... A voluntary administration where where the basically the, the the club was 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 placed into administration. Um, now, what 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 I think shocked people more than anything was the timing of it because um, that loan must have got them, and we still don't know the exact details, but that must have got them into a serious financial problem because otherwise, you know that. You hear all the time about things like these days wage deferrals. The PFA have stepped in at times to to help, and yeah, you might get a points deduction for that, mm -hmm. but the points deduction wouldn't be uh, the level of the administration. You'd be talking probably more like three three points really. So you wonder to yourself, was there not a way of just getting through getting through the season, finishing yeah. the season off, uh, and then reassessing stuff because. I think, as David Sharp said, there are a number of saleable assets that, you know, so why don't you just wait till the window opens again uh, and, 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 and ship some of those saleable assets uh, on? You know, we, we did have a, um, you know, unfortunately for us, it didn't materialise, but during the January transfer window, Anthony Robinson, the left back, who we'd signed for £2 million in the summer, uh, was subject to a, a bid of £10 million from AC Milan, which was accepted. Unfortunately, there was an issue with the medical, um, didn't pass the medical, deal collapsed, and obviously we don't end up with that uh, £10 million as it happens. You know, he's played in every game since the, the restart because the, the issue seems to have sorted itself out. It was some sort of heart murmur or something, but it just see, seemingly naturally sorted itself out without even a, a, any sort of minor operation. Um, but... That's just showing there that you've got an example of a, a saleable asset, um, and there are others as well, you know, that are there in, you know, waiting, you know, to maybe not necessarily at that value, but certainly money that you can bring in. And the other thing I think that really shocked us is the fact that 
two or three days before the decision for administration, the contracts were extended to go past the June 30th, obviously into the to finish up the season, basically. So uh, three or four players were out of contract. So those those extensions were agreed. Uh, and in addition to that, uh, we, we offered another player, uh, Joe Garner, who is another, I think, linked with Ipswich. <laughs> with Ipswich. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the Ipswich tie-ins are strong. <laughs> yeah, maybe, that's, maybe that's the problem. <laughs> but, the, uh, but, you know, he was given a one-year extension. And to be honest, you could look at that and you could say, this is prudent business. You know, this is why you, you, don't, want, you don't want, like, some clubs in the championship where four or five of the players... Uh, will not be taking part in anything after the 30th of June. So, you know, it, on the face of it, it looks prudent, but it looks very odd when you say that all this all this is happening and then all of a sudden you go you go into administration. So that, that that's what that's what then brings you to to the I guess where you start getting your conspiracy theories about about why that decision was made because the administration was unusual for two reasons. One because we're so close to the end of the season uh, and the 12 points, as we might talk about later, could be fatal. And two, it's only a month after they have purchased the club. So what has changed in that month? We had COVID a month ago. In fact, we're now playing football again, which we weren't a month ago. That, to me, is what really I don't understand. And I don't think anybody does. I don't think the administrators really did. As such, I think they're digging down deep into it now, and they'll, I'm sure they'll uncover some stuff. But going back to the f first question you asked, what was the action? Was it sh shock and surprise? It is, and and I still don't think at this stage that we we really have the uh, the the answer to why that administration took place when it did. Like you said, there there really was no indications, especially with the players' contracts being extended. That's a move that is normally done by a club that is in a financially secure situation. They're looking towards the end of the season. They're thinking, right, we can crack on now, which also shows that perhaps the, well, obviously the, the management team were not aware of any of these issues. The players wouldn't have been. And perhaps that really was reflected in your result in the last game. Um, obviously, you did go out and lose 3-0 after a run of games where you had been comfortably winning. So it, that may have had a mental effect on the players also. Um, now, now, I believe one of your big gripes um, currently, the Wigan fans, is with the, um, with the EFL. You feel that Wigan have been really badly mistreated and you feel that there's been a bit of a failure with the owners and directors test. Yeah, so I mean the the honours and directors test has existed now for a number of years in different guises. It's uh, we've had the fit and proper persons test as well, but but ultimately the, the 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 idea is to sort of protect clubs really to protect integrity of the competition. So that this is twofold really. One one part of that uh, is based upon the um, which which is from a personal level for people if you like, the directors, the ones who have the control, that they are fit and proper persons. So the owners and directors test. Uh, so you'd be looking there for things like uh, criminality, crimes of the uh, dishonesty, uh, being barred from being a, a director, um, an event of bankruptcy, 
Um, and then there's a few sporting ones as well, like which are not relevant here, things like being subject to a banning order, because clearly it could be very difficult to run a funny football club uh, responsible if you have got a banning order. <clears throat> yeah. So there's that side of it. And then there's the other side of it, which is more for the uh, kind of the business side of it, really, more than the individual. So proof of funds, really. So is there a proof of funds that will take them through to the the rest of this season and also enough funds for the following season? Uh, well, this is where there's a problem <laughs> because clearly that money can be generated through taking out of loans. And having the money in the bank, um, for me, is in no way, shape or form a guarantee that, that, that they're going to write the checks for the club. Because ultimately, I see whatever you say about them, it did look like they were writing the checks, you know, to, to pay the bills and probably writing quite a lot of checks because we know that Wigan loses eight to nine million pounds a year, <clears throat> which actually, interestingly, falls within... Uh, quite well within what you're entitled to lose uh, in terms of the profit sustainability rules, which another couple of championship clubs, Derby and Sheffield Wednesday, are uh, falling foul of. But then we get to obviously the new owners, and the for me personally, I, I think that that the football league needed to look at that in terms of it was pretty quick how they got to the the, the answer, but particularly with the the seemingly moving a company um, off the stock exchange, but with a with a constant uh, there as well, as we said, Stan, Stanley Joy still being uh, sort of attached to uh, to the club. Um, and then as the events unfolded, there was then a within company itself, there was then a change in majority shareholding within within that company uh, as, as well. Mm. So you'd have to say, really, look at, looking at the circumstances of, of the deal, um, looking at what the funding was being based on, that, that the Football League probably needed to look into this in a bit, a bit more detail. My personal view, uh, I'm not saying it's the view of all Wigan fans, is the fact that the, uh, the EFL hasn't applied its owners and directors test uh, correctly here um, and secondly I, I don't think any in any case is actually fit for purpose um, you know there have been uh, reports into governance uh, culture media and sport have looked into this and they've looked into kind of a licensing system really where um, one of the one of the terms of the licenses that you provide a bond basically so you if you like that 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 money is tied up it's there um whatever that might be set at and on sale or if they if they, if they wish to sell that wish to sell then any debts would be paid out of out of that and that money would be there to be used by the club um to pay all the kind of expenses that they have to me at the moment the rule looks like sure that you've got some money in the bank but that's that's it. You know that, that that money might not be in that bank the following day. So of course, it, the other rule that cl clearly comes into play <clears throat> as soon as the administration is entered into, bang, twelve points, and that that's the that's the other rule. And the only appeal on that is what they call force majeure, which is basically um, an unforeseeable event that that brought about the administration. 
I think we'd I think we'd struggle with that really because at the time that they bought at the time that they bought the club, all the financial circumstances were already there. You know, the the climate, the COVID, the recession, Brexit were already there. So I I think that in terms of a challenge, we'd be better to go for the um, the duty to its members that it actually clearly owes that we that we talked about at the beginning, and to say that the way that they've actually uh, applied the owners and directors test really, uh, because I think the problem with the administration one is as soon as you kind of allow a bit of a loophole, then what's going to happen? You're going to have a knock-on effect, and probably loads of clubs going into administration and saying, "Well, this is a treated Wigan so I think it might be better to go on the other the other ground really. There are a lot of holes in their their rules as such and like you said the rules are laid out by the clubs and then enforced by the EFL. Um, one of the big impacts that, that it's going to have obviously is that point deduction. Currently you're sitting in 16th on 50 points. Um, the bottom club Luton are um, on 40 points if that rule did come into place that would place you on the bottom and looking at your season you know you're you're a long way off the relegation zone as in place wise there's a few points there you know where you could have perhaps gone on a spell of losing three or four games or or whatever that would have kind of dragged you into that but from an outsider it very much looks like you're you're safe and then this is imposed on you this is brought upon you by the efl and what it does is it 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 damages a club that is already damaged by so many situations currently and um i i personally just really do not get these point deductions i don't see how they help anyone yeah i mean i guess I think it. I think it stemmed from years ago uh, when I think clubs were doing it too easily to to sort of buy themselves some time, um, write off some of the debts, and, and pretty much then start money again. And, and I think it, it it it's to provide some sort of a deterrent uh, effect so, so clubs don't place themselves into administration. And to be fair, clubs have tried not to do that in recent in recent years, but I, I think the way the rule is drafted. It's one of the few rules, uh, really, of the EFL in which it doesn't really go to a disciplinary uh, panel. So the Sheffield Wednesday and the the Derby uh, cases in Birmingham last season all went to a disciplinary panel to look at the whether there had actually been a breach of the rule. And there's also uh, a very much a discretion there in terms of the sanctioning. <laughs> so. Whilst I wouldn't say, whilst I wouldn't necessarily say that there shouldn't be a points deduction, I do think that um, th- there has to be something to mitigate the rule in a circumstance like this. And I think that's what's been alluded to. I mean, um, we've had um, Lisa Nandy, the MP for Wigan, who has written to the EFL, the uh, supporters club. Um, has also written written a letter today to the uh, to the EFL, uh, pretty much stating that this is just com- manifestly unfair um, to to base on the basis of you know four week ownership uh, of 
let, let's just say a, a dubious organisation um, to, to, to basically lead to a, a 12 point deduction at this stage in the season where it's going to be very difficult now to uh, you know to get that back. It's made our lives a lot a lot more difficult than it would have been uh, previously. So I, th- I think the hard and fast 12 points is the issue for me. I think I think there's got to be more than this force majeure type thing as a, as a defence because that's only going to apply in very, very limited circumstances for me. The rule's almost drafted in a way that makes it almost impossible to appeal. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I just don't see what, what purpose it serves, it being so rigid and just being saying an absolute 12-point deduction when none of the other rules seem to uh, seem to be like that. Because there's surely got to be different levels as well of administration. You can be those who've been completely mismanaged over a long period of time, spent way too much money. Um, and then there's the other, you know, there's other, there's other clubs who are victims of dubious owners. That, that that for me is the is the is the key. If you're if you if you're suddenly saying that uh, because of let's just say questionable ownership in this circumstance, they have then got the power to put that club into administration, and yet you're saying that your test is fit for purpose and you've applied it accordingly. The two don't add up for me. The two don't marry up, and I think they're the points that. You know the supporters' club, um, Lisa Nandy, and numerous other people as well have uh, have contacted uh, the EFL. But obviously, it's always better to come from sort of official uh, channels. Um, you know, not not saying the individual doesn't matter, but obviously, if you can get a collective from a supporters' organisation or an MP, then then often it it holds more weight. Having having Lisa on hold um, on your side as well also brings a lot of credibility to those claims um obviously she's got connections within within parliament um and government for that that to be looked into um but it it has really brought the community together this administration it it, the community was already brought together but more by covid as as a whole all across britain but especially in wigan now with this it's it's like you're fighting for that kind of one constant that's always been there in your lives, the football club. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's what I said the other day. A lot of doom. There was a lot of doom and gloom. Quite. We had the uh, live podcast on Friday, and, and to be honest, I I called it from our perspective a bit of therapy, really, more than anything. You know that we could all kind of talk about and over our sort of views and actually get them out there, really. But I tried to add a bit of positivity to it as well. And to say the positivity is the fact that fans who often disagree about football matters, you know, there's a diff- you know, there's been a massive difference of opinion over the season about Holcomb and the ma- uh, being the Wigan manager. But on this, everybody's come together. People still have the different views on about how you go about it. On that side of things, I think you can get the odd little disagreement. But in terms of the purpose, um, you know, we've got a common purpose to save this football club. Um, first of all, to get us through to the end of the season, and that's where, which has been absolutely fantastic, uh, the crowdfunding that was only set up on uh, Friday at 2pm has already got over £120,000. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, that, that really for things like uh, paying the key staff who are required um, transport, you know, things we take for granted, transport to and from games, hotels may be required, 
you know, you need a cash flow. You know, the administrators are doing what they can, but it's just that little bit of cash flow, really. And it's great that, and not just Wigan fans, you know, we've had, you know, donations from fans of other clubs. Because I think a lot of other clubs realise that you're never too far away from this occurring yourself. You know, you if you get into the wrong ownership, um, or obviously COVID is clearly going to have an impact on, particularly in, in League One and League Two. You know, so I think people have a bit of an empathy uh, towards you, and it's still Wigan's still seen as a bit of a kind of that underdog club uh, that you know a lot of people quite liked when in the Premier League because they they mess up the establishment. Uh, yeah. at, at, at times, and obviously the beating Man City in the cup final. Um, so some people might have a soft spot for, for Wigan, and you know it's good that we're getting sort of donations from them. And, and the other good thing as well is shows that the former players who are coming back and giving sort of messages out. Um, it shows that it's almost like once once they've been um, a Wigan, they're always a Wigan, really. With the crowdfunding, if anybody would like to donate, we will have all of the links down below in the description. We'll also have them on our Twitter page. So feel free to go and donate. I will be. Um, so it's... Yeah, so thank, thanks, very, thanks for that as well. And, um, you know, because it, it means a lot, really, when other, other clubs, you know, are sort of getting behind us as well, because it, it makes it more of the fo- football family. We all have our rivalries, but... You know, I'd like to think that most reasonable football fans don't want other f- clubs to go out of existence. I mean, Bolton, probably big, Wigan's biggest rivals, and you might have a little giggle to yourself about financial problems, but eventually you get to a point that if they're very close to the brink, you say, you've got to, you know, you don't want a club to go. Because at the end of the day, the club is the fans. You know, the, you might have a friend who supports that club and also the, the employees as well. You know, that, that, it's people's livelihoods, you know, so it's great to have those rivalries on the pitch and the passion, you know, at, at games, you know, you'll know yourself from derby games and stuff like that. But, you know, end of the day, you, you know, we, we only exist, football's only so great because we have teams to play against. You know, if, if teams go out of existence, we don't end up having, you know, the product that we all we all love, really. So, you know, I think I think it's great when the, Sort of football family all sort of unites and and get gets behind a cause like this. Just before we wrap it up, um, I was just going to quickly touch upon Rick Parry, um, who's been quite a controversial figure in recent times with Wigan fans. Um, he is the EFL chairman. Um, what what's kind of been going on with with Rick Parry? Okay, so he's not. He's not really been in the job for that long. Uh, we had a quite long-standing chairman, Sean Harvey, who was in a position for a number of uh, years. And obviously, there was quite a lot of criticism on his watch because obviously we had the you know, the situations at Berry uh, and, and Bolton. I think the Leeds stuff as well at that time, uh, Chilino and, uh, and the like. Um, a few other issues as well. There was some disputes about broadcasting deals. Um, I think Nor- Norwich might have been party to that vote in last last year as well. Some quite a lot of people were quite miffed about the uh, the broadcasting deals. So after a number of years, um, Parry Rick Parry comes in. Obviously, um, famous with the kind of setting up of the Premier League, uh, integral role in that. Um, uh, connections, of course, for years with Liverpool Football Club. Um, very experienced within the industry and on the face of it you'd think 
uh, a good custodian for the EFL, what what it required. Um, now, I don't know enough about Rick Parry, the person, um, but on the, I think, it, on the, the went the Thursday, I think it started, uh, the third, so went into administration on the Wednesday. On the Thursday, there were rumours circulating about a video, um, basically, that had been taken uh, of uh, Mr. Parry uh, by a um, Wigan Athletic supporter who happened to live in Chester, where, where, where Mr. Parry lives. Um, and... At first, you thought to yourself, because of what he was saying, you were saying, is this one of those, because of all the kinds of things you can do with technology these days, is it, is it just somebody who is made to sound like... like it's manipulated it, yeah. Yeah, but ultimately, it, what he was saying was, was basically about rumours of um, sort of uh, betting on uh, Wigan Athletic to be uh, relegated and talking about the company who had uh, taken over having links uh, with a uh, betting company in the Philippines. It's, to that extent, it's not word for word what, what exactly what, what he said. Um, now, whether there's any truth in that, I mean, a rumour is a rumour. He's just saying, well, this is a rumour. He's not saying definitively that that's occurring, clearly. But I think... I think from my perspective is that the head of a major organisation, you know, one of his leagues in that organisation, I think is the sixth biggest league in world football, the championship. And, you know, you might say, well, someone's being quite open and talking to a fan about this, you know, it's refreshing, but actually not, not in a sensitive area like this. So there's, there's one of two things here. One, it's insensitive because you shouldn't be throwing rumours about when ultimately, mm-hmm. you know, there's a community that's being impacted upon the fans, employees of the club. You know, we don't need rumours. Fans are bad enough to start in rumours, but they shouldn't be sort of passed on by a head of a major organisation. The second one, which is clearly more concerning and not something that, you know, I, I could in any way, shape or form state but the, the obviously the content of what he said clearly if there was any truth in that what he states is a rumor is 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 absolutely serious because you can you can, the conspiracy theorists will will, will will say well Wigan looked like they were dead certs to be uh, safe um, after they beat Stoke three 0 the day after they're in administration with a 12 point. Uh, deficit um, and that's going to make it very very difficult for them to stay in the league now very circumstantial clearly no evidence to at this stage to support that but it's something that I think um, this and the other regulatory issues that I talked about before the terms of the law that the administrators who are usually sort of very much thinking about sort of like can we get um ultimately value for this club so we can keep it going so that ultimately any creditors will get paid. But actually they've even looked at it themselves and thought, well, you know, there, are, there is something at least to look into. Uh, and I think long term there will be an investigation into this anyway. Um, I'd be amazed if there isn't some change in, in, in governance, uh, you know, as a result of this, because 
you know, you can't have a situation really where a head of a major organisation is just openly talking to someone on the on the street. It seems seems like a you know schoolboy error, really, doesn't it? Because in the the, the days of the mobile phones, <laughs> you could never really say anything and and, and be hundred percent certain that you're not being recorded. Yeah, Lisa Nandy feels that there's a major global scandal going on with Wigan Athletic. Um, football club and when you hear stuff like that coming out from people in those positions um, yeah. well, what... I think Andy Burnham says on the face of it, it it looks dodgy I mean he wasn't saying to say it's dodgy but this is Andy Burnham very experienced uh, politician you know he's, he's served uh, you know a number of years in the shadow cabinet, cabinet um uh, obviously, very important position now. We, uh, Mayor of Greater Manchester, you know, and he, he's looking at it and saying, "Well, he's at least saying there are grounds for investigation, uh, at the very least." And as you said, I think Lisa Nandy's pretty much alluding to the same thing. And and as as are we, really, you know, it's it's an absolute mess. What what clearly clearly it's caused by something that I think, in my view, is novel, um, something that. I mean, there's always issues with owners when a club goes into administration, but this is highly unusual. Yeah. Um, so with with that, you've got to look and say, well, long term, whatever happens, and, and as I said, at the moment, we're, we're pretty optimistic. There are interested parties who want to buy. We are a good club. You know, we've got a decent ground. We've got good training setup. we've got a fantastic academy with some good players coming through, we've got some saleable assets and for me it, 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 it's something that could be an attractive proposition for the right for the right owners um, and they could do something really good but th- the reason we've done those letters to the, we sent those letters to the EFL and it's, it's if we start from the base of the championship it'll make it a lot easier for us to, uh, you know, to attract sort of people to get involved. Um, it's not as easy in League One because the revenue streams drop considerably in terms of broadcasting monies. Um, so, you know, I think I think we have to have a go at challenging uh, the decision. I don't know as yet whether we've appealed the 12-point uh, deduction as yet. At, um, we, we only have seven days to do that. So um, news might filter out over the next um, 24 hours about whether we we do sort of intend to uh, to appeal. Uh, but obviously with all this going on, we also have a game to prepare for on Wednesday. We yeah. have a season to finish. <laughs> and each game now is uh, magnified in importance because if there is an appeal, we're probably not going to get that decision until the end of the season anyway. So, you know, end of the day, we're going to have to... The only way we can do it for certain is we do it ourselves. Yeah. You know, so it's not going to be easy, but we have got we've got three six pointers in our five games. We play we play three sides who are in and around us, so we do have an element of control over what what happens. So uh, Hull, Barnsley, and Charlton, they were probably would say apart from Ad Luton in there, I think are probably the main rivals for relegation, uh, and we play three of them. So. Gives us a chance. Let's hope that Saturday was just because of the bombshell. And also, we're playing a very good side, by the way. Brentford are a good side. So, you know, yeah. I, I want to add that to it. You know, it wasn't... If we'd have lost 3-0 without 
the circumstances. I don't think people would have been too shocked about it. Yeah, on the pitch, Hope, um, off the pitch, clearly we, we, we've got to, it's the bigger issue because, you know, I'd like to be in the championship, but ultimately I want a football club to watch next season. Um, you know, what's happened at Bury was obviously heartbreaking, really, because, you know, ultimately it's been a pillar of the community for so long. You know, so many people uh, have bought into that, invested time in, into that club and invested emotion more than anything, as we all know as football fans. And you, you just, it's never something I've contemplated, not having a club there, you know, not having a club there to, to, to support. So that's why we're doing all the, all the efforts at the moment, all the fans together, all the players seem to be buying into it as well. Uh, let's keep this great club going. Yeah, there's been some fantastic work by the fans to, to try and raise money. Um, once again, if you would like to donate to the crowdfunding, all the links will be down below in the descriptions and on our Twitter. Adam, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast today. Um, just before we go, are there any social media or anything you'd like to, to kind of put a word out there for you to, for people to go yeah, and follow? Yeah, so you alluded to yeah, you alluded to it before. I'm from the uh, Progress with Unity uh, podcast, or so at PWU podcast, uh, to to follow us uh, on there. Uh, we we have seemingly got quite a few more followers uh, since uh, as this uh, unfortunately in times of crisis. Uh, I'd rather us have less followers and no crisis, but you do pick up a lot. And the we we did quite an interesting um, uh, live podcast on. Uh, Friday, which is on the Progress with Unity YouTube channel. And I think it's quite an interesting one in general for governance issues. If you're interested in sort of uh, the Football League in general and governance, it's quite a good perspective, got legal, political, uh, fans' perspective. So it's well well worth a watch if, you, if you're interested in, in, in that sort of thing. Yeah, and uh, if you could follow us also on Twitter at underscore the Penenka and make sure that you check out our website, www.thepenenka.co.uk. Um, once again, thank you very much, Adam. Um, You're I welcome. Wish, I wish everyone uh, a good, good evening and goodbye. Thank you.